Welcome to Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Brooke Lopez to my Robin Lopez. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? Pretty good. You know, the Lopez brothers are way more likable than I would have thought they would have been coming out of college. I thought I was going to hate them. Both of them are genuinely (laughs) funny. Robin is an American treasure through and through. I mean, he's, he's incredible. The tweet he had about Anthony Davis the other day was... One of the better NBA tweets of all time. Uh, yeah. Put that on 100%. The, the Mount Rushmore of NBA yeah. tweets. So it was pretty, it was pretty great. I love Robin. I love Brooke too. Uh, Robin is genuine. I, I say this all the time about, uh, about our guy Dirk, that it's not that he has a sense of humor for an athlete. He has a great sense of humor, period. And that is so rare in, uh, in, in athletes, in NBA players. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very rare that you, we, we, we tend to settle for people who are funny for athletes. Um, athletes in general are not a super funny group of people. <laughs> They're very self-serious, I think, in a lot of ways. So uh, when, you, when you get a, a Charles Barkley, a Shaq, a Robin Lopez, a Dirk, a Steve Nash, um, it's, you should treasure it. It's, it's, uh, it's a rare thing. It's a rare thing in, in athletic spheres. Um, and there's not one baseball player who has a sense of humor no. about himself. So there's a, except Joey Votto. I think Joey Votto is pretty funny. Um, anyway, okay, we're moving on. We are today. We're we're gonna do this thing where every year we do a, 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 a we try to do a brief preview of uh, the upcoming season. And the episode lasts for six or seven hours, and uh, you know listeners are falling asleep and everything. We've got a we've got a tight one hour ish window here. So what we're going to do is we're going to split it in half. We're going to do Eastern Conference this week. Next week, we're going to do Western Conference and just kind of hopefully briefly run through each of the teams and uh, and and get some some kind of general thoughts. This is I don't think anyone comes to spread the floor for like super hard hitting uh, news or reports or uh, you know, analysis or anything like that. But it, especially today, I would say this is sort of the the 30,000 foot view on, uh, on each team in the Eastern conference. And just to get us primed because the season starts in three weeks, Tobin, we are, we are, we are here. We are right around the corner from, uh, from the, and also because the only other thing we would do this week is have media day reaction. And I, I hate media day more than anything else, Tobin. It's my least favorite part of the NBA season. It is all, all, the only thing that good that comes out of it is you get to see the new jerseys. That's the only thing that good comes out of it. And, and I don't even think that happened this year. We didn't even see any of the new stuff. Like even Utah wore their freaking throwbacks. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's frustrating. But is it weird to you that people sit at a podium like that in a jersey instead of just normal clothes? I feel in weird this to me. situation, no, it's because just, they're getting their pictures yeah. and stuff made, and they're just doing pressers in between. So like, I, I in this sense, it makes sense, but. I think that the whole idea of media day has turned into what drama can we stir up on Twitter? And I think the Mavs were the center of that yesterday and or Monday and it was just annoying. So <laughs> like I said, I just, I don't think anything good comes out of it other than it. And they have to be dreading it too. Like, like think about the Celtics. The yes. Celtics had to be dreading that, like absolutely oh dreading it because of yeah. what happened last week. So yeah. So there'll be a couple of notes in here, I'm sure, that we're, that are going to come from Media Day, uh, Boston and Brooklyn in particular. Uh, but uh, but I don't I don't want to spend a whole episode on yeah. Media Day. So we're going to go through 
What I did, I don't know if we want to go. Do you want to do alphabetical or you want to kind of vaguely go go in tears? Let's do tears. I don't know what. Let's do tears because it's almost kind of like a prediction, but not a prediction. So yeah, let's do tears. So okay, so this is what this is what I this is my tears. Okay, not Tobin. So if they're terribly wrong, um, don't don't blame Tobin for this. I just did a and again very very vague. And my point on this was when we were talking off the air is, and you, you, you'll, you'll get a touch, a, a taste of it next week with the Western Conference. I feel like the Western Conference is a complete free for all. I don't know, like there are maybe ten teams in the Western Conference that you could tell me they are going to finish in the top three mm-hmm. or they are going to finish outside the play-in, and I'd be like, yep, totally, yeah. yep. There's a real chance of all those things happening. I think the Eastern Conference is a little more settled. Um, to me, Tobin, tier one is Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, and Miami in some order. And what I really, what I really mean by tier one, because it's, it's impossible to predict these things. There, every single year, there's a team that has injuries that falls out that you, you didn't expect. There's a team that sort of underperforms, fires their coach, blah, 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 blah. You don't really expect. I would be surprised at the end of the season, if we're looking at this in April, if these four teams we're not four of the top five teams in the East. Does that make sense? Like somebody may slide down to the fifth or maybe sixth spot, depending on what happens with, to me, what are the next two teams, Cleveland and Brooklyn. Um, but it, short of a major injury or injuries, it seems unlikely to me that any of these four teams are not going to be heavily in contention for home court advantage in the playoffs. Is that fair? Is that No, I totally agree with that. Feel? Yeah. Okay. I think Boston's the only one that could slip out of that, but that's but they still have enough talent to where it shouldn't matter what they're okay. going through. So I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little. I'm gonna let you go here on on the Bucks, and I'm gonna pull up. Uh, uh, oh, we're starting from the top. From, oh, that's weird. Days. Okay, yeah, t- starting from the okay. top. We're going Milwaukee uh, champions two years ago. I think really legitimately, you can make a very good case would would have been champions this last year if not for Chris Middleton's injury. Um, didn't have a huge off season by any means. Uh, they drafted, uh, Marshawn, uh, Be- Beecham. Okay. He's one that like, I think it's Beecham. And then they're like, no, it's both. Anyway, I think that's a guy who actually could play a little bit. That can be interesting. And they have Joe Ingles who will come back at some point, maybe January. And I think we'll provide a little bit of something for them. But most, for the most part, the bucks are kind of running it back with the team that, uh, won and was the favorite last year. How are you feeling about the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for them is they're the poster child for we are already good and having an injured player come back is our free agent signing, mm-hmm. which it can be frustrating if you're a fan of that team, but in their case, they're absolutely right. Uh, they took Boston seven games without Chris Middleton and they really just needed that mm-hmm. extra score to, I think they would have dominated them, honestly, if they had that extra score. I mean, I think it would have been a five, six mm-hmm. game series, possibly. So there's no reason to think that they aren't just going to keep getting better. Uh, Giannis is, you know, Giannis is going to have a little bit of hunger back this year. And I think that's kind of a big reason why they won the title a couple of years ago is that he, that, that drive. So hopefully he, he kind of regains that and they stay healthy. And like you said, they've added Ingles and, you know, some rookies that might actually be able to, to contribute. So, um, my question for you for this team, because I think we're going to get to ask the same question is, do you feel like Eurobasket is going to be, play a issue for Giannis in this upcoming season? No, I think Giannis is a, is a freak I mean, of nature. Yeah. There's a reason why his nickname is the freak. I, I, 
he's he's LeBron level to me where it's like when he slows down, eventually it's going to be shocking because it, it's it it feels like he is always going to be this physical marvel that is going to be able to do things that we've never seen on a basketball floor before. And when that ceases to happen consistently, I think it's going to be really <laughs> surprising and weird and maybe devastating in a way. Just like, oh, man, Giannis is getting old now. Jeez, like <laughs> what's what's happening with us? Uh, no, I, I think I think that guy, contrary to what dummy, dumb, dumb Gilbert Arena says, I think that guy is as hardworking and ready to go as they come. And uh, I don't know, Eurobasket. I don't think we'll factor too much. Uh, we'll factor too much for him. I expect we're gonna do our our awards picks and stuff right before the season starts because we have to. We're contractually obligated to do that when you have an NBA podcast. I think Giannis probably my MVP pick coming into the season. So, um, despite I mean, <laughs> he has not won the last two years just because he won the previous two years pretty much. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Despite being a big fan of Jokic, I you could definitely make a case that Giannis should have won last year. Uh, anyway, I I think uh, I think I think Giannis is going to be great in Milwaukee. Milwaukee has the third highest odds in the Eastern Conference at plus eight hundred. They are uh, fifth overall, plus eight hundred. That um, seems low. <laughs> I just I completely agree. Yeah, I completely agree. There's um, no reason I'll why they you, shouldn't be like. <laughs> No, it, the very worst number one in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, gosh. well, here's who's first. It's it's the Boston Celtics. Um, first in the Eastern Conference at plus six hundred. The Boston Celtics, who we'll have to talk, I guess, a bit, a little bit about. Uh, the, I think, man, they had a they had a great off season until they super did not have a great sure. off season. Uh, love the Malcolm Brogdon trade for them. Really don't like. Gallinari, but I thought that he was a perfect signing for for what they were going to need from him. Uh, this this summer started started off quite well. Since that time, Gallinari tears his ACL. There are all of these rumors about uh, the Celtics trading for KD, and that would have involved Jalen Brunson. Excuse me, Jalen Brown. Um, and that has clearly not sat well with Jalen Brown. I think is very fair to say there were even potential the at least Marcus Smart was rumored. I have no idea if that was actually, you know, factual or if it was Sean Marks asking for Marcus Smart. Definitely think there is some potential for uh dissent <laughs> between the guys who were almost traded. Like they're yeah, they're professionals and stuff. Jalen Brown's name has come up so frequently that at a certain point you you have to think he may start saying, hey, just FYI, I'm the guy that played pretty well in the finals, not Jason Tatum. So, you know, why are you why are you so dead set on on trading me? Uh, Robert Williams is going to be out not just four to six weeks total, like we said last week, but the after the surgery, they doubled the the prognosis to eight to twelve weeks. That means, in my opinion, that means else. that it was yeah, yeah they, it was still torn. Um, that is not a a cleanup as it was supposed to be. That was a, this is a, 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 maybe not a new injury, but an injury that hasn't healed, which is even worse. And then of course we get the Yumi Udoka thing. They do not have a head coach going into this season. And there are massive questions about that. That still will have to be asked and answered forever. Jalen Brown at, at uh, media day said, we don't know what happened. <laughs> so Gosh. I don't love that. I don't love that. The players don't see now. Maybe he's lying. Maybe he knows exactly what happened. Um, but 
there's not a lot of stability right now for a team that was up 2-1 in the finals uh, last season. So, all right, Tobin, Boston Celtics, <sighs> plus 600 to win the title. I wouldn't take that bet is the nicest way I can say that. <laughs> um, you, you are exactly right. They did exactly what they needed to do this offseason. They got a player in Malcolm Brogdon that if he's not expected to be a – 80-game starter. He probably was going to be a great mm-hmm. six-man. Robert Williams was ready to make the next move, you know, in his development if he came off injury. Uh, Marcus Smart mm-hmm. was Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I mean, like you said, even Gallinari, even that signing made sense. They did everything they needed to do, and then the wheels just came off. And so yeah. in some ways, you can't really – I mean, you can blame them. I and mean, a lot of that stuff, the, outside the Emi Adoka stuff, you can't blame them for any of that. Like, this is all just unfortunate things. But I, I feel like this is going to be, like, the straw that broke the camel back. And, like, I, they're obviously going to be good. They're not, they're not going to not be, you know, they're not going to be out of the playoffs or anything like that. It's, right, it's, right. it's more of, for years, I mean, literally years, as you just noted, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart have been thrown around in trade conversations on top of the drama they have with their coach, and there's got to be a point where either the players that are like Jalen Brown or the ownership just says, "Okay, now we need to get, we need to do something. We need to fire Udoka. We need to, we need to pull the trigger on a Jalen Brown trade." Like I, I don't know. Like, I, so I guess so. Here's my Boston Celtics question to you, and then because I, I, I feel like they're gonna they're gonna dip, but I feel like they'll be like the four to six seed, um, and and that's still good especially with a replacement coach. But my question to you is, is this the year that the the looming drama around them finally surfaces? <laughs> Boy, if it doesn't this year, then, I mean, you have to just you have to tip your cap and say, wow, you guys are way more professional than a lot of NBA players. And maybe that's possible. They've, they've got infrastructure for it. Um, <laughs> I just... There's just, it's hard for me to, it's honestly, it's genuinely hard for me. I really try to be, I'll be wrong plenty. Like I say all the time, I'm wrong all the time, but I'm, I hope that I'm, I'm wrong from a place of, uh, you know, I just, Hey, it just missed, you know, not, I hate them or I'm doing, certainly not. I'm doing, I'm doing bits or I'm doing takes or whatever. I could not, I had the hardest time taking Boston seriously all last year it just didn't seem like it was. And then I just kept having to say, well, I'm wrong because this continues to go. And I, then the next round would happen. I'm like, I don't know. This doesn't seem like the greatest team to me. And then here they are. So whatever. Um, now seeing kind of how things have gone through the off season and especially over the last couple of weeks, it's, it is hard for me to look at this team and feel like, yeah, I feel good about where they are at. I I would be surprised if they're not a you know a home court advantage team up until the last week of the season kind of thing. If at the at the the lowest, I'd be surprised if they drop. I certainly be surprised if they drop to like the play in level or something like that. But um, there's just there's a lot there's a lot to overcome here. So if they overcome it, then you again you have to be like wow that's incredibly impressive. It it makes what you're doing even even better given all the stuff that you're going through. It's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to deal with. And the other thing, too, Tobin, is this. I think one of their major downfalls last year was that, that Udoka had 
like six NBA players on the roster and was just having to like they had to nick nurse it basically and say we're only playing seven guys um because we don't we can't trust any of these other dudes they went out and they added they added people uh, pieces excuse me in brogdon and gallinari like i mentioned um these are the guys that are on their roster beyond <laughs> beyond the guard the, the the guard position so they have marcus smart Derek white malcolm brogdon peyton pritchard that's a solid guard rotation okay obviously we know jalen brown jason tatum Al Horford, their backups now with Robert Williams out too. Okay, their backups consist of Denzel Valentine, Jake Lehman, Justin Jackson, former Mavericks great, Grant Williams, who had a very good season, Sam Hauer, Hauser, excuse me, Noah Vonleh, Luca Samanek, Mafondu um, Cabanelli, who probably won't make the roster, and Luke Cornett. That is a brutal. That is a brutal rotation past your top six or seven. Now they're gonna play big. Excuse me, I am. Uh, they're gonna play a lot of guards because a they have a lot of good guards on the roster, and b because Marcus Smart obviously can guard up. Derek White can guard up a little bit. Brogdon can guard up. So they'll play rotations. I'm sure where they have multiple guards on the floor. Maybe maybe three guards. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they'll they'll get crazy. Go four guards. Um, I don't like how all that the rest of that roster plays out at all, and I think that given everything else that we're dealing with, that's that could come back to haunt them um, later than sooner, if not sooner than later. So, um, okay, moving on to the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, they currently have the fourth best odds in the Eastern Conference at plus 1,500. Um, the, I, you know, they did a good job of kind of shoring up their rotation a little bit with with uh, Anthony Melton, who I love. That's a that's a good pickup for them, in my opinion. Uh, P.J. Tucker, Montrez Harrell, maybe I'm forgetting somebody else in there. But uh, Tobin, were you how are you feeling on the Philadelphia uh, the first full season of the Harden Embiid experience? I mean, <laughs> Harden looked terrible last year. They gave him a new deal. He gave them a quote unquote cut so they could they could do better. In the off season, which whatever, that's great, that's fine. The my whole thing is is that they weren't good enough last year, and now with an extra year on Embiid and Harden, and not really doing a whole lot around them, I'm not really sure how they're going to be anywhere higher than they were last year, short of the Bucks and Celtics or whoever else is above them, kind of cratering. Um, mm-hmm. I think Maxi's going to make a leap this year, or he needs to. If he doesn't, that's going to be another question. I also think that they are going to be a prime trade deadline contender because they have pieces I think people want, but I also think that they're going to, they're going to try to go hunt somebody and get that third star quote unquote star to go with Embiid and Harden. Um, I think like Thibel is definitely going to be an issue. Like, I mean, like, cause they, they played him a lot last year because of his defense, but that dude has got to figure out something on offense or else he's going to be such a liability no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I think they're putting all their eggs in the hardened basket and, and, uh, good luck with that. You know, he lost a hundred pounds though, apparently. So or we make sure we tweet that he lost a hundred pounds according to his press conference. So, um, so my question to you about the Sixers is does James Harden, is he, a, is he a net negative or a net positive for this team this year or is he neutral? <laughs> He's a positive. Like Kevin O'Connor will be quick to point out that 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 Embiid Harden had the best pick and roll uh, in in the NBA post that trade, and Harden was not in shape. And he's totally true, totally right. 
That is a really difficult, formidable thing to try to figure out in the regular season. How do you deal with with those two guys? Um, I feel like Phil. You know, last was it? I think it was two years ago. In the past, I've been very <laughs> was very clear about like Philly's going to be. It was two years ago. Philly's going to be, uh, you know, just crushing it in the regular season. They're going to come out super strong, have a great record, and it's not going to matter in the playoffs. That's exactly what happened. Things have changed now, obviously, with Harden. Um, I'm just, I'm going to remain in show-me-don't-tell-me mode with uh, with Philly, for I think, for the rest of the time. I, I I think that, that is, like I said, it's a very formidable match, uh, 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 duo. I like some of the surrounding pieces they have. I still don't love their, their um, wing rotation, but there's a chance that they can figure some of that out. Zach Lowe mentioned them as a real possibility for uh, for Jay Crowder, and I think that's somebody who could, who could help a bit there. Um, they have a really good team. They could be the best team in the Eastern Conference going into the playoffs. I am always just going to be in a cool, the regular season kind of doesn't matter for this group of guys mode. So um, that's, I still, I still lay it. I, I think we were probably going to get to a place quickly, Tobin, where we're like, hey, not to be Bill Simmonsy here, but we've probably we we're probably going to get to a place where where James Harden is actually a bit underrated for what he does in the regular yeah. season. Um, but also, it's his own fault that we that we all don't trust him. It's his own fault. So uh, I'm not I'm not feeling real bad about it. But we're definitely going to look up in January and be like, man, Harden's doing some pretty great stuff there. And we're all going to say that's cool. But like, does it matter in May and June? And I feel like probably it doesn't. So, uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, moving on to Miami. Miami has the, let's see. Oh, my. Yeah, okay, they're right under the Sixers. So uh, Celtics, team we haven't talked about yet at number two, three for the Bucks, four for the Sixers, and five for Miami at plus 2,000. Um, not a whole lot of movement this offseason for Miami and they were in the Eastern Conference Finals and one game, one shot away, really, from from going to the finals. So maybe you say they don't really need to change up a whole lot. Um, I thought that the power forward position was a major issue for them all season last year. And uh, and and not only did they not improve that, it they lost, lost P.J. Yeah. Tucker. So it yeah. got worse. Um, they're... <laughs> I'm looking at their like line, and look. I know positions don't matter really, so whatever. You, they're going to end up playing Jimmy at the at the four a lot, and so whatever. But they have two power forwards currently listed on their roster. It's Darius Days, who is a rookie from Louisiana State, who I have never heard of, and Udonis Haslam, who's <laughs> 73 years old. So, um, you know, uh, I don't know how you, I mean, you maybe you rotate, maybe you play big and start uh, Deadman or, or Yurt 7 with, with Bam or something, but I know they're really high on, on Haywood Highsmith, but he's really more of a 2-3, not a 3-4. Not a so, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's some weird positional imbalance here, and then you got to deal with the, the potential <coughs> Tyler Hero stuff as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I... What, what, where are you at with the with with the Miami Heat? I think the Miami Heat have turned into the the new Spurs, where until they are dead, I'm not going to count them out. Um, okay. But that said, you're you're banking on a regressing Oladipo. If and regressing is probably being generous, if I'm being honest, and 
Duncan Robinson is a liability on defense. He is his contract is massive. That has not panned out the way they wanted it to. Um, you lost PJ Tucker, who by all accounts was a was a good fit there, and you have Kyle Lowry, who looked like a shell of him for himself for most of last playoffs and even this season probably a little bit. Um, not saying that he can't rebound with a full off season with the team. You know, Jimmy Butler can do some things. In, in the playoffs, like they're, they're the kind of team that I don't see them making a lot of noise in the regular season this year like they did last year, but I also wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs because there's just never you, – you're never telling. But you're right. I mean, like you look at their roster, it's 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 very – like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I have to think that they're going to want Jovic to, to maybe slide into like the 3-4 blend somehow, um, but I don't know if he's even going to play like a whole lot either because – I just don't, I don't know, man. Like this this whole thing of like we're just gonna put the ball in Butler's hands and hope that it all works out is is interesting. I, I don't I don't see that being the case. I think Tyler Hero is 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 gonna have a very important season for them this year. I think that could be really ugly if it doesn't go well. Um, but yeah, I I don't want to count them out until I see them actually out. I think that they will be a at worst a six seven seed, and I think that that's that might be even too low. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to... Uh, do you have a question? Oh, yeah. Here's, here's my question. Sorry. Sorry, my fault. No, um, no you're good. No, no, my good. question for you is, they were in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes. Are they going to be the biggest player at the trade deadline this year? I just... I stay in the camp of, like, I don't think they have... If they didn't have enough for Donovan Mitchell, then they certainly don't have enough for Kevin Durant. And... I mean, who else are we talking about? Is is it is it just Shea? Like that scene? I, I I think that's something they probably maybe maybe Beal when he becomes tradable. I I just I don't think that the NBA values Tyler Hero the way that Miami maybe thought that. And and look, I mean, Pat Pat Riley and and Spo are two of the brightest minds in all of the NBA. And I I mean, I say that all the time of. If they say something, then I believe it. You know, if they draft a guy, then I have, you know, Precious Achua is a great example. They dra- I wasn't super high on him. They drafted him, and I immediately came and was like, well, I was wrong, because if Miami's drafting him, then he must be very good. And uh, so, you know, I trust those guys. I just, I don't know what the value of Tyler Hero is, and I don't think it's as high as Miami thinks it is. And if, if, if you don't have real value on him, then what do you have to offer other than future unprotected picks? And they they don't even have a full package of those that they can offer. And so, I don't know. I It's weird to be down on a team, like I said, that was one shot away from the finals and that has this great pedigree and probably the best coach in the league. And Bam, who's somebody that I love. That may be the major key to their whole season is how much Bam has developed as an offensive player over the offseason. Um, they've got a lot of things that I love, but also it's hard for me to bet this team and feel really confident about what they're going to be. Um, they also kind of overplayed right where they were last year, too. Like I don't think anybody would have had them being the number one seed coming out of the year last year. So I think that's kind of the like it's kind of unfair to say, well, you were the one seed last year, so you better come out and do the same thing when I don't think that they were expected mm-hmm. to be the one seed last year. I think they just kind of they yeah. took advantage of the situations they were in and they played well. 
Yeah, last season I felt very strongly that they were going to end up being like the fourth seed, fifth seed, something like that, but that they were going to be miserable to play in the playoffs. That that was just a team that was built to win a couple of playoff rounds, um, and it, that turned out to be true, but also they turned out to be, like you said, the best team in, in, in the East record-wise, um, despite never having a consistent team on the floor at all. So maybe we shouldn't worry so much about this stuff because of... <laughs> Hashtag heat culture. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard for me to look at that roster and feel really great about how they match up against Milwaukee or even Philly or it all, it just seems like it all comes down to mentality over, you know, talent and, and really depth. It's just, it's a strange, it's a strange roster. Mm-hmm. Lowry. I mean, maybe Lowry's better this year. I would say, that usually you don't get better when you're 36 years mm-hmm. old. But maybe he was just unhealthy. He was, you know, hurt all season. He definitely wasn't in shape. He wasn't in heat shape, um, for sure. So maybe some of that changes a little bit. But I, Lowry was terrible last season for long stretches. And, and you know, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird roster to me. But it's, but to your point, it, it's very Spursy in that it's very hard to count them mm-hmm. out until, until we actually see it happen. So. Um, okay, that to me is the end of tier one, and and when whatever I mean again, I put ten minutes of thought into that kind of tier rankings, and I always say with, whether we're talking draft or uh, you know teams, whatever it is, tiers to me it usually is it bleeds. It's it's the bottom of tier one bleeds into the top of tier two, and vice versa. Um, these are the teams that I would consider kind of I just I didn't even label them a tier, Tobin. I just I labeled them as wild cards. So we're talking about Cleveland. We're talking about Brooklyn. Let's start with the Cavs. Uh, the big thing, of course, they added Donovan Mitchell. Huge trade. They are bringing back uh, a team that was very, very good in the first half of the season, then started getting injuries and uh, and and kind of um, tanked out of that and ended up even losing in the play-in, uh, so they didn't make the playoffs. But uh, have a, a good young core that they now have added Donovan Mitchell to. Where do you? How do you feel about the Cleveland Cavaliers? I think that they're going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, it was fun to watch them kind of defeat the defy the odds last year. This year, I don't think it's defying the odds as much as it is keeping the momentum. I, I think they're going to have a great, like a really fun backcourt, which is great. They're not going to be able to play defense to save their life on the, in the backcourt. Um, but they, in a weird way, have balanced, super balanced that out with the defense of the front court. And so um, this may be, this may be hot takey, so I apologize in advance. I feel like if they're going to do – I feel like they have a chance to be this year's Grizzlies. Like, not necessarily mm. like MVP, Donovan Mitchell, and, you know, top – but you know how, like, last year we were just kept waiting for the for the Grizzlies to drop, and they never did? I feel like that's going to be them this year because they already kind of started that last year, and then they dropped off because of injuries. I feel like this year they can maintain that better with their – moves and their growth and what they have, but I don't think they'll be successful in the playoffs. I think that they'll end up, you know, I, so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they end up in the top four because of just the energy of the team. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, so on that note, my question for you for this team is Vegas has the over under set at 47 and a half. I'm taking the over. What are you taking? I'm throwing it out. I know I'm uh, throwing off the top it out. <laughs> no, no, off the top of my head, I would take the over. Um, but I don't like them in the playoffs. I hate their wing rotation. As I yeah. said when they made the Mitchell trade, 
and maybe there's another trade coming. That's another team that could that could probably use Jay Crowder. Um, a, a wing rotation of Isaac Okoro, Chetty Osman, Dylan Windler, Lamar Stevens, and then like sort of Karis LeVert. That is not a that is not a winning rotation in my opinion, especially when your backcourt are two guys who are six foot mm-hmm. one. Um, that's a brutal. I mean, like that might be. I would have to go team by team. That might be the worst wing rotation in the NBA. Um, certainly of of good teams uh, or teams that aspire to be good. So maybe there's a Kevin Love trade somewhere. You know, maybe there's a they have, you know, and also they have like two of the best rim protectors in the NBA, yeah. and they can both play at the same time. So maybe it doesn't matter. However, we just saw Donovan Mitchell play with who everyone agrees is the best rim protector in the NBA, the best defender in the NBA, and Rudy Gobert. We saw it for multiple seasons. And over and over and over again, Rudy is getting left out. He's just getting hung out to dry by his backcourt mm-hmm. and his perimeter defenders. Um, I don't think it's better with Mitchell and and uh, Garland. Mitchell is not a better defensive backcourt than 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 Mitchell Conley was. And so, I you know it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes. I think Abaji would have been the starter by the end of the season, if not the beginning of the season. And they, they had to trade him in the Mitchell trade. And that's fine because you do that mm-hmm. when you're talking about a top 20 player or whatever. It's just, I look at the Cavs more as, and you kind of said this on, on our, our, our Mitchell podcast. Um, I kind of look at the Cavs more as a 2023, 2024 team than a 2022, sure. 2023 team. And so <laughs> anything they get this year, I, I love the Grizzlies comp. I think is, is valuable because it, you need all the experience that you can get on these things. If they stay healthy, they're going to have a really fun team um, that absolutely, I totally agree with you, could absolutely make a push into the the third seed or something like that. But I also think that all these veteran teams are like, yeah, I would be super thrilled to play the Cavs in the in the playoffs. That would be. Yeah, I mean, they could, they could jump up to the three seed if, and if, then end up getting the, you know, I don't know, the the Hawks or the Raptors and then just get beat, and get right. beat you know, so... The, there is, I mean, there is definitely a world where if if we get into mid March, late March, and the Cavs have sort of solidified themselves as, let's say, the three seed, you will absolutely have teams like Miami, uh, maybe Toronto, but especially I would say like the, the those those top tier teams. It's like, hey, we had a bad stretch in in December, and so now <laughs> we're not probably going to make the top three seed. They will absolutely try to figure yeah. out how to match up with the Cavs in the playoffs, and so yeah, that that's kind of my that's kind of my take. But that's fine because Cleveland's been just terrible since mm-hmm. LeBron was gone, and there's value in making the playoffs and and presenting yourselves as. If you uh, asked any Cavs team, fan right yeah. now if they would be okay with being the three seed and losing oh, a game, losing absolutely. a series to the six oh seed, gosh. they'd be like, yeah, yeah. whatever, great. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they build on what... I think this is just a big season for, hey, let's see what we've got. We know some of our flaws, um, but let's have a really fun, entertaining team that, that has a... a, a ton of 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 top tier talent and then we'll try to figure out how to flesh this out moving forward yeah and uh it'll be it'll be fun to, to see that okay i don't even want to <laughs> do it man <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know <laughs> they have the third the brooklyn nets have the third highest odds from the eastern conference excuse me the second highest odds from the eastern conference plus 700 uh, which is Celtics insane at plus 600 to me. bucks at plus i don't i don't get that at all 
I think Vegas is stealing money from folks on this one. This this makes look. <laughs> if we get to the end of the season, if you could, if you could, if you could uh, time travel back from April, Tobin, and say, "Hey, the uh, Brooklyn Nets are the one seed in the East." Okay, I see how it happens. I just don't think that any of it is. I think there are too many things that have to go right for them to be able to reach the potential of what they could be that that we have seen over and over and over and over again these things haven't ever played out you know it's i'm not going to i'm not going to do the whole well if Kyrie Irving is no i'm not i'm not we don't <laughs> again show me don't tell me I, I i'm not interested in in what ifs if Kevin Durant is healthy and plays 80 games if Kyrie Irving is locked in and is playing for his contract and actually shows up to work if TJ Warren comes back in December and he's really awesome and if Blah, blah, blah. All these things I do not care about. If Ben Simmons returns to all NBA form, like all these things, I, it, it's too many. It's too many variables to me, Tobin. I'm not I'm not I'm not buying it. But you do have to say there's a lot of talent on this team. And so if the, if if somehow some of these things all come together, then fine. I guess they potentially are uh, a top two or three team in the Eastern Conference. But I think the flip side of that is. All of these things go wrong, and they are literally out of the plan at the end of this thing. So, I don't know. Where are you at with the Nets? The thing I said, I think I said this before, but I think it bears repeating. The What should be the craziest storyline on this is that Ben Simmons has not played since 2021, <laughs> right? Uh, it was game 20, seven of Sixers Hawks. Yes, so, yes, yeah. In that, in, that's not even the craziest, even close. That thing's getting buried because of the garbage that they've gone through in the last year. Yeah. I will be very intrigued to see how he responds to playing in this team. I mean, that the podcast he had with J.J. Redick today was just god-awful. Like, just listening to that was just, oh, you know, I, I just, this dude is, does not get it. And he's not even the most insufferable person He's not even the second most insufferable person on that team. So <laughs> they still have Kevin Durant. If Kyrie Irving decides to be Kyrie Irving, they still have Kyrie Irving. They're going to be good if if the rainbows are, you know, playing and like and everything and like <laughs> and everything parts the way they want it to part. I still don't see how Ben Simmons falls into this. I I, I just don't see there's any way that they finish this season without some sort of insurmountable drama. So here's my question to you. (laughs) This is, this is probably not fair over under. uh, Let's do points. How many points per game is Ben Simmons averaging this year? And then do minutes too. Uh, do minutes too. Oh, I don't know how to, um, Thirteen points per game, and I mean it's not to me. It's less about minutes and more about games. I would say, the, okay, all I right. Mean, if I set the over under at forty one and a half games, would you take the over or the under? I would take the over because I think that he, I think that he was playing a game to get out of Philly, and I think okay. that he's going to come out and play this year. I just don't think he's going to be that effective. I mean, you can't take off a year and a half in, on top of already missing massive amounts of time before that 
and be and be as productive and have back surgery and everything. I mean, unless he finally, finally owns that he just needs to be Blake Griffin, then okay, Mm -hmm. be Blake Griffin. Like, be an awesome Blake Griffin. Be a be a power forward. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't, I don't think Steve Nash or or the Nets or even Ben Simmons have the have the guts to just accept that. So I don't know, man. Like I. So yeah, I would take the over, but I don't think he's going to be productive. Okay. I think I might take And let's the move over. on. I hate I talking about the Nets now. They're not even fun anymore. Like Did you Did you see Marcus Morris's I I hate giving credit to Marcus Morris obviously, but did you see his his quote about KD? Pretty sure I have him blocked on Twitter. Maybe so I don't, no, I had the Morris Prince talk blocked on Twitter. So. <laughs> he said <laughs> He said, uh, I've broken up with my wife a few times too, but we're still. Oh, yeah, together. I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I enjoyed that. I got a <sighs> kick out of that. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's just, there's June just, 20th, 2021 is the last time Ben Simmons stepped on a court. Yeah. So there's just too many things, in my opinion. To, you know, uh, you know, like Kyrie away. is going to get hurt or lose his mind at some point. And yeah, I, I just keep tweeting Alex Jones. I think, yeah, stuff. I think that yes. Nash is going to be fired this year. I think, I don't I think there's any way that this co- is able to continue. So this, yeah. it's just, it's going to be bad. Like they, they've chosen to st- side with Kevin Durant and in some ways you can't blame them, but yeah. also they basically said you're in, you signed a contract. And so I just don't think it's going to end well. I think, I think if they are the three seed or four seed next year, that the Nets fans should be counting their blessings because I could yeah, see, I could easily no, I see them bottoming out and being in the play-in game, if not worse. Yeah, I just, I think that they just have a lot of, they have way more variance than anybody else in this top six, and I don't, th- I mean, I don't think it's even close. It's they, like I said, next week we'll talk about the West, and there's a lot of variance in the Western Conference, and there just really isn't. This is the, t- this is the only team, in my opinion, that short of major injuries, you could convince me that they end up being the one or the two seed or that they end up being the 10 seed. It's just, there's too many variables there to feel good about it. And I do, I mean, really do truly believe, I mean, Vegas does this. They're setting those odds there because it's enticing and because they'll get people to bet, to bet the nets. And then, you know, in, in late April, those people look stupid because the nets bounced out of the playoffs in the first round. So, um, okay. Moving on tier two to me. Fact, calling Cleveland and uh, and and Brooklyn wild cards and not really knowing where to put them tier wise. Tier two to me is Toronto, Atlanta, and Chicago. Let's start with the Toronto Raptors. Tobin, um, they made some sort of around the fringes moves. Uh, I liked, I like, I really like the Otto Porter sh- signing. I know he'll only play forty games, but I liked that. Uh, they 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 got Bo Cruz in the fold now, so that's you know that's nice. Drafted Christian Coloco, who was your boy in the draft. Um, more than anything, Tobin, I think the deal for, for Toronto is just, hey, let's be healthy, okay? Let's have, let's have NBA players this season and not constantly have to craft together a seventh, eighth, and ninth man because somebody is injured. But where do you, how do you feel about Toronto going into this I season? think the best thing they did this season was, is it weird to say the best thing they did was to not trade Scotty Barnes? Like... I mean, that's a that is a that is certainly not a hot take on NBA Twitter. I got to a place this summer where I was like, you guys are way overvaluing sure. Scotty Barnes, who I love. I love Scotty Barnes. 
but there was a point at which it was like, well, we wouldn't even trade Scotty Barnes for Giannis. I just no, like, that's okay, guys, we've we've gone way too far. We've if if you don't want to trade Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant because you don't think Kevin Durant's going to be happy and because Kevin Durant is a thousand years old and all of these things, then okay. But we we cannot not trade Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant just because Scotty Barnes is going to be better than Kevin Durant. Does yeah. that make sense? Like that's that's an and insane that, that was my whole thing was that went too far. You. You over, you're right. The NBA Twitter overvalued Scotty, but I think that you had a reason to say, "Hey, 33 year old Kevin Durant, who's cantankerous and doesn't mm-hmm. probably doesn't want to come here, is not mm-hmm. worth, and he's injured yeah, and it's not worth yeah. mm-hmm. trading our mm-hmm. star rookie for." And so right. that, that I think that was a good move. Now, on the, the other side of the coin, you have players in your team that are either always hurt or aren't living up to their contract that you probably could have gotten rid of, and you didn't. You know, so I think I don't know. I I think that they are going to be a fine, gritty team. I don't think that they're going to be anywhere close to competitive in the playoffs. But um, okay. if Fred Van Vliet is your best scoring option, I just don't feel like that's going to be a good time for you. I just I love Fred Van Vliet, but I I don't know. Like I feel like okay. So here's my question to you. This is what because this is what I've been asking myself. Are we going to are we going to look at the end of their season and think, oh, look, they did a good job of what they had? Or are we going to say, man, they really should have gotten off some of these assets or whatever before the, the bottom fell out? I like Toronto. I think they're frisky. I like that they can they can throw uh, four wings on the court pretty much at any time. And they're all like really competent, good players. Um they're lacking the hardest thing to, to find, which is the star. They don't, I mean, maybe Scott, I, 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 again, I really love Scotty Barnes. I don't think that Scotty is ever going to be the scorer that you need for somebody to be your best, the best player on your team. Um, but maybe they balance that with three other guys like, Scotty's our best player, but Siakam is our best scorer or, you know, Fred Van Vliet is or whatever. Maybe they balance that with enough other guys. I, I don't know. I, I think, I think maybe that's hard to, to figure out. I, I think there's a real world where they are a formidable first round playoff opponent for whoever draws them. And, and that the person that the team that draws them is like, crud, we don't want to play Toronto. This is going to suck. I also think there's a there's a realistic chance that this was something that that um, Wendy said recently on on his podcast, and it's been echoed a few other places as well. And but it's something that I totally agree with. There are too many good teams this year, especially in the Western Conference, but in the Eastern Conference too. There are a lot of very good teams, and because of that, you're gonna have a team or two or three or five that eventually take a look around and say, at best, we are playing for a play-in spot. Why are we going to keep doing that? And instead, why don't we capitalize on all of these very good teams who are trying to find separation between each other and start dumping our pieces? And so Toronto's kind of flirted with that for the last couple of seasons uh, anyway. So I think that there's a reasonable chance that they are the five seed, and uh, uh, that's maybe two, the six seed, and I also think there's a reasonable chance that come January, they're like, hey, Siakam, go home until we trade you or 
that they make some kind of a blockbuster surprise trade and and start kind of tearing things down and decide that we're going to build around um, around Scotty Barnes instead and instead of doing this sort of hybrid thing. I mean, the the OGN and OB rumors to uh, Portland in particular, I think we're telling, and I don't think that that was made up uh, because I think. I think uh, I think Toronto really Messiah and Toronto really were interested in saying, all right, let's move off of these guys who are still young but are not on the same timeline, and let's get uh, Shaden Sharp in here and and build with him and and Scotty and whoever else we can get, what other other assets we can get for some of our veteran players, and let's let's move. On. I mean, I think those were. I think there was enough enough smoke there to say that those were probably real conversations that were being had. And, they also were linked and to... And they have guys that every team is going to... And they win. also were linked every to Shea wants. in the last 12 hours, too. So, uh-huh. I mean, I think yeah. that they have the, yeah. the chance to go one way or the other with it, for sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. They're, they're a really interesting team to me and, and could... We could be... Look, I, I, I really feel like we could be looking at them in December and kind of feeling like... Um, they hold all the cards that are going to kind of start the, the 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 trade process. The dominoes start with with Toronto, let's say, um, because every single good team wants OG Ananobi. Every single good team wants, I think, Pascal Siakam. And, and same could be said for guys like Gary Trent Jr. and and Fred Van Vliet. And on down the line, there's just a, they have a lot of of players that have real value. They may not have as much value all together because you know they're not ready to you know to, to move forward with a, with a superstar or something mm. like that but I, I just think toronto is really interesting yeah so um we'll see I, d- I certainly would not bet on them obviously they're at plus 4500 so <laughs> you know i think we're, we're out of the realm of uh hey this team could potentially compete for a championship uh but you know i i think that they could be an interesting team uh Tied with them, rank for, as far as the odds go, at plus forty five hundred is the Atlanta Hawks. The big move they made was bringing in Dejounte Murray for for quite a big package. I think. Um, I don't know, man. I I kind of feel like if you're a Hawks fan, you got to be a little disappointed that this is where the team is at at this point, given an Eastern Conference Finals run uh, two years ago. But I think we all also acknowledge there was some a little bit of flukiness to uh, to that yeah. one as well. But I don't know what, what what's what's up. They with the definitely Hawks? shot themselves in the foot in a weird way by getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like it's one of those weird things of it's kind of like whenever a team over overachieves in a situation when they weren't quite ready, and then they have to mm-hmm. replicate that. And so, but there weren't anything. There wasn't anything on their team that was going to help them replicate that because they they needed to like get off some old contracts, some old ages, and and they still have tradable pieces, but um, I think I I don't think Dejounte Murray is an answer to making them a contender again. I do think it makes them better, mm-hmm. and I think it makes them a playoff team. I and I and I think actually they complement it complements Trey Young to an extent. I mean, Murray one of Murray's biggest downfalls is he can't shoot the ball, and if if Young is is okay with being off ball a little bit more. And doing catch and shoot, then it can it can mm-hmm. work. I just mm-hmm. I have questions if Trey Young's going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, but yes. it may not matter either. I mean, it may it may very well be one of those things, kind of like where we saw with um, 
Westbrook when he was in Houston, and it's just like, hey, for this stretch, we're going to let DeJounte run the offense, and this stretch, we're going to let Trey Young run the offense, and it might it might give Trey a, a chance to have some fresher legs towards the end of the season. So, I mean, that, there's there's multiple ways where it could work for them. Mm-hmm. There's multiple ways it could be bad for them, too. Um, I think their draft was okay. I mean, I, I like A.J. Griffin a lot. Yeah, A.J. Griffin at that yeah. spot was good. Um, I don't, I don't, I haven't looked a whole lot at their roster to see where he fits in that situation, but I think that where, where they got him is a good spot. I also think that they have pieces that they can, they can get off of and possibly build around. Like, I mean, I, I definitely think Bogdanovich has a chance to leave this year. Um, DeAndre Hunt, DeAndre Hunter, I think is a, is an asset that, that people want that he, they might be willing to get off of that. And that's the other thing is DeAndre Hunter might come back and be, you know, back where he was before he kind of fell off the planet last year. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I like I said I, I could see them as a six seven seed. I don't think they're going to be a championship contender in the East. That's already tough. But okay, so my question for you is: Do you think that Trey Young makes the next step this year? Do you think he he do you think he starts getting put into the legitimate MVP conversation and not the NBA Twitter uh, MVP conversation? No. Okay. I mean, I, uh, no. I I have a lot of questions about how he, man, he and Murray in in on in some respects, gosh, that's a great combination, and then the the, the other side is like, ooh, that's a rough combination. <laughs> like it's Murray can't shoot, Trey doesn't like to not have the ball. Uh, you know, I like Murray quite a bit, but also if you. If you want to, if you want to put the ball in his hands and let him cook, um, that resulted in being one of the five worst teams in the league. You know, so it's like I, I, I eh, I'm not sure. I, I, you know, I like Murray. I, I especially like him defensively. Eh, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe we're gonna find out that the Spurs sold high. Sure. Um, I don't. So I don't super love that. I don't. I don't buy Trey's willingness to long term. It's 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 easy to say. Yeah, I'm happy to play off ball um, at the beginning of the season. It's a lot d- more difficult to do that when you're 17 and 18, you know, <laughs> and just like, hey, remember when I just cooked all the time? Um, Hunter, you mentioned Hunter was a big question mark coming in. T- I think is a question mark coming into the season um, was pretty rough last year, had a lot of injuries. But also when he was playing, I don't I don't <coughs> think was had progressed the way they, they thought he would. And. And then you've you've constantly kind of got the John Collins stuff that's out there, and I don't know. I I do not believe. I I, I can say that I there there are definitely times where I probably underrate Trey Young and what he brings to the table, um, but I also I do not believe in him as I I think if he's your best player and he clearly is the best player on this team, I just I'm always going to think you have a really you're going to have a really hard time being a true top four, top five team. And if you're not that, then you're not in the MVP conversation. Yeah. So um, that's, that's where, and there's just, there's a lot of great guards in the, in the mm-hmm. East. And so I don't know. I'm not trying to turn, I'm not trying to knock Trey. I think I'm, I, you know, well on record of not my favorite kind of player, but he's, he's significantly better than what I thought he was going to be and blah, 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 blah. Um, but also I think that you have trouble <laughs> I think you're going to have trouble if, if he is. It, it was a really bad thing last year to me, and it got reported on a bunch, but it it, it almost never felt like it had an, like, 
like there was enough juice in what we were saying about it. It is a really bad thing that he was like, yeah, I think we just all kind of thought this was going to be easy. Whatever he said, where he uh, he essentially admitted we got to the Eastern Conference Finals, and so now we're kind of like mm-hmm. we're kind of lazy about the about the regular season. That was a horrific thing to admit, in my opinion, and and speaks volumes um, maybe towards your, your your leadership ability on that front. I did not like that, and so hey, maybe you, you live, you learn, you come back. You, hey, you, we've we've figured out, we've been humbled a little bit. I've been humbled a little bit. We're ready to go. Um, my guess is that that's not quite the the way that it goes. So we'll see. They have stuff to build from. I think there's a John Collins trade out there at some point, and maybe they they recoup some assets that way. I love a Kongu. Um, I think that AJ Griffin could be an interesting piece for them. I just I think that they may Tobin be the team that is kind of perpetually locked into we're we're hunting, we're racing for the sixth seed, and we're out in the first round. The Trailblazers, a team. Yeah, the Trailblazers. Yeah. Sure, the Trailblazers also had a, a, a conference finals appearance um, that they they mostly got slaughtered in, and so you know. But I think there's a lot of similarities on those two teams. Okay, uh, let's move forward. Let's get into the, let's get into Chicago. The the darling of the Eastern Conference last year for the first half of the season, and then the last half of the season was just Demar Derozan trying to do everything he could to get wins, and sometimes being very successful at that. A lot of injuries last year. They've improved some of that, you know, I think bringing in Drogic is a, is a really nice little piece for them. He's can give you 15 good minutes. I think most nights, um, they'll get Patrick Williams back was a big deal. Uh, they, you know, they had a little depth here and there, but they still Lonzo's not going to play, man. I, I just, I think it is not a, it is not good. It is not good, uh, to hear that he still can't run or jump. And we're ta- we're, we're, Almost a year into, I mean, closer to a year than not into uh, his injury and, and recovery period. That's you don't like to hear that about anybody. So I don't know, man. Where do where do you how do you feel about the Chicago Bulls who right now are sitting at plus five thousand for the? Chicago? Well, I mean, the ball news is horrible. DeRozan's older. Andre Drummond is their biggest addition for this offseason. and we we both know how you feel about that and how I feel about that. Dragic is <laughs> fine, but he's thirty six years old. I mean, Vucevic is not going to really I, – I just don't see him getting any better than he already is. The biggest issue with this team is you're banking on a player who – into Rosen, who is – like I said, he's getting older, and he might not be able to do what he did last year. I think he t- – I, I think I could see him taking a step back. And you're in Levine, who – has had a great start last year and once again started fizzling out because of wear and tear and injuries. Um, I just don't see any world where they can even return to the top four, let alone being a contender and being in the, I don't know, being in this Eastern conference and, and whatnot, they do have a fantastic defense. So, I mean, that'll be what wins them games, but mm-hmm. I just don't I don't know. My my question to you is this is is Lonzo Ball gonna play a game this year? Uh I would bet no. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he, he's able to come back. Uh but I, I think I think this is a lost season for him. Uh that that would be that would be my I mean, if you're the Bulls, you just gotta be hoping we got Drogic, we can get we can get more out of Io. 
I have zero faith in Kobe White. You know, I'm not a, to- a Kobe White guy, but maybe they can flip him somewhere else and bring something else in. Um, you got to hope that an offseason of Patrick for Patrick Williams has, has helped him improve some. Uh, Caruso, you know, they've got some pieces around Lonzo. I I would not as and and the biggest one maybe is is Zach Levine, right? Um, that that could be as big a factor as anything. But no, I I would if I was the Bulls, um, obviously quietly, I would assume that we are not going to have Lonzo Ball. And then if we do get him, then cool, that's a that's a nice bonus. But there's I I I think I think that's, I, I think that's they have some hard decisions ahead, like. Because their yeah. their team is just getting older, and they're already they were already injury prone in the first place. I, I think they have some really tough decisions ahead, and they also have some young players. And I mean, Patrick Williams still has a chance to possibly make something of his. Of you know, he hasn't had a whole lot of playing time. Yeah. And Io was awesome last year in the in the time that he got. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they have some pieces that will that they can build on and and have some energy with, but. They they're gonna have to make some tough decisions. I mean, like, what is it? Vucevic is he's in his thirties. I think he's thirty two. Pull- that trade looks worse oh, yeah. and worse by the day. I mean, you got Drummond, who's who is the is a forty year old and a twenty nine year old's body. Uh, I mean, Lonzo's only twenty four, and that dude cannot stay on the court. Uh, DeRozan's about to be thirty four. They they're gonna have to make decisions on this team next year because yeah. uh, otherwise they're just gonna be in purgatory for a long time. So. That Vucevic trade is Wendell Carter Jr., who's better than Vucevic, plus Franz Wagner, plus another pick. <laughs> That's oof. I didn't like that trade at the time. I super duper don't like that yeah. trade now. And uh, you know, that's no no good. No good. Okay, New York Knicks. I'm gonna let you be as petty as you'd like. Obviously, they signed Jalen Brunson. Um they flirted with Donovan Mitchell. That didn't come through. They brought in Isaiah Hartenstein. So championships all around. Uh, <laughs> they're very serious about the development of Quentin Grimes. So we'll, you know, we'll see how, how correct that is. Tobin, the New York Knicks. This is to me, by the way, is the beginning of tier three. I, I have them as maybe, I mean, like a, a play in team kind of of uh, hopes and dreams for this one. And, and not a, for me, not a lot of belief that there's, that they're going to be much better than that. But, uh, but we're also biased and petty. So I'm gonna let you be as petty as you'd like right now. The thing with them is your starting lineup right now is Brunson, Fournier, RG Barrett, Julius Randall, and Mitchell Robinson. And that's fine. That that's not going to beat the top four of this, of this conference. It's just not going to happen. I mean, Brunson is a great, ball handler, microwave, like, I I don't, I think he will be fine in normal eyes. I do not think he will be fine in MSG New York media eyes Mm -hmm. on top of the fact that everyone now is disappointed because they thought they were getting Donovan Mitchell. And this team is not much better this year than they were last year. And you still have a really awful coach. (laughs) And so, um, or not I me mean, really awful is probably not fair. You have a coach who's wearing out his welcome very quickly. The RG Barrett extension is fine. I think that he could take a step forward this year. Mm-hmm. Um in in the you know the the positive side is is that you they still have the assets and the abilities to go make moves because they did not make the Mitchell move. And so they they have flexibility. Yeah, for sure. It's just for you sure. look at this roster and unless we get 
the Julius Randle of two the comeback of the player of the year, Julius Randle, like what, what really is going to be that much better than what you had last year? I mean, Julius Randle was the comeback player of the year because he basically was handed the ball and said, go do whatever you want. And you can't do that with Brunson and you can't do that with RG Barrett's growth. I mean, so you're not getting that Randle back. Mitchell Robinson is, is fine. I, I just don't, I don't see a world where they're going to be anything higher than a play in tournament. In fact, I, when I was researching for this episode, I saw a lot of people say that they think the Pistons could take that spot over them, like the 10th seed over them. And I, I don't think the Knicks are a 10 seed. I think that's probably a little bit harsh, but I, I would not be surprised at all if they ended up being like the 10 or 11. And there's a lot of questions as to why, you know, Jalen Brunson's averaging 18 points a game and they only have 32 wins or whatever, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, cause Thibodeau is going to wear himself out and then they're going to bring in an interim coach. And then it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting season on top of the fact that everybody is mad that they didn't get Jalen Duran and they didn't get Donovan Mitchell. And they know what's the point of doing all these draft cap assets if you don't bring in the guy. And so I think this is going to get ugly fast. So uh, let's see. I did not write down a question for this team, but my question for you is, do they, is this going to be the starting lineup at the second half of the season or will they have made a move or adjusted things? I think they're going to have to make a trade. I don't like this lineup at all. I mean, uh, Brunson, uh, maybe Fournier comes off the bench and you, you go small with quickly or um, Grimes. I think Grimes probably is, is has a good chance to be the starter. But regardless, you put that with Barrett and Julius. I don't like how that – I really liked R.J. Barrett. I don't love how that, that, that works together. It seems like they're never going to give Obi Toppin time, and and I don't know if that's for good reasons or bad. I don't know where Derrick Rose factors into this. There's, I hate the shooting on this team. Like, Quinn Grimes, if your starting lineup is Brunson, Grimes, Barrett, Randall, Robinson, Grimes is the only guy in there that that feels like he potentially can shoot. I mean, I like Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is really not a shooter. He's as much as a penetrate and, and get those, uh, you know, little, little kind of mid range and floaters and stuff. I, and he's not, he's not a real natural playmaker either. So you're, you're going to have no spacing on the floor. And if the answer to that is to put Fournier in, then cool. I don't think any team is real scared of Fournier either. Um, if, if RJ Barrett truly develops into a guy who you can, reasonably prognosticate as like he's a top two player at some point on a good team. Even if, even if he's not like a top two level on a good team this season, but you can be like, okay, look, he's making the steps. He's going to be there. Then, okay. You can kind of convince me some of this works, but I, I have a lot of RJ Barrett stock. I like him a lot. I don't think that he's a top two player on a good team. Um, in the now or, or in the future, I hate the spacing. I mean, it's a big deal. This is this is kind of gets lost in the Julius Randle thing just a tiny bit of, well, he regressed. It's not just that he regressed. It's not just that things didn't go well in the second season. It's it's that in in the year where he was very very good, where he was most improved player, he shot forty one percent from three on five and a half attempts a game. Prior to that season, he had shot twenty seven percent, twenty seven percent, twenty two percent, thirty four percent, twenty seven percent, and last year he dropped back to thirty percent. He's not a shooter. And so <laughs> I I don't know, man. It's it's there's not any spacing in on that team. 
the way that it is currently designed, I think that there's got to be, there has to be a trade for them to be able to um, have any real aspirations, in my opinion, of, of being six seed, seven seed, something like that. Especially with the teams we're talking about are, are you know, there's a lot of pretty good teams um, that are ahead of them. So uh, I don't know that it's going to go so well. In I think Jay Wright's the coach there in a year Yeah, too, I would so, agree. Uh, if not this season. So, um, okay. Uh, talk about a bad offseason, the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to our, our buddy Mateo. Um, they... I oh boy oh boy uh they were the they were the ten seed or nine seed they were in the playing game last year and uh, and got obliterated uh, but you got to feel good about uh, this this Lamelo Ball Miles Bridges connection they drafted Mark Williams uh, they've got some some frisky players around the the, the edges here uh, we're, we're we're doing well and then uh, and then the Miles Bridges all of that it just awful stuff comes out. He still is just out there. I'm really thankful that no team. Maybe there's a behind the scenes conversation that's ha- that's happened of no one is offering this guy a contract. Um, but not only did they not get any better, they got significantly worse by losing the guy who I, in my opinion, was their best player. I know Lamelo Ball was the an all star, but uh, I thought Bridges was was pretty pretty clearly their best player. They lose that. They add a center in a, a rookie center, and they took. Mark Williams, who I like, over Jalen Duren, who I love, did not care for for. And then I'm not kidding. I mean, seriously, Toby, you look at their roster; it is the exact same roster as last season. They did. They lost Montrez Harrell, added Mark Williams. They lost Miles Bridges. They did not add anything this summer of of any consequence. So, I don't feel good about uh, where the Hornets are at. Yeah, we've said it before, but the worst part about this was they were waiting for the miles bridges thing to drop because like not the, for his contract to drop so they could make moves around that. What like basically seeing how much money they were going to have to give him. And then, and then the, the news of what he was doing and what he got charged for dropped. And they kind of left them on the outside looking in. Not that anybody was like chomping at the bits to sign with, with Charlotte, but they kind of had this hold in place where they couldn't do anything. And so, now they're seeing the ramifications of that. And it, and unfortunately it's not really, it's any fault their own um, unless they knew about it beforehand, which I don't think they did. Uh, and so, yeah. yeah, I mean, like how do you recover from that? I mean, you're going to be bad this year. I mean, it's just, that's, that's just the, what it is. Like you're going to be bad. Uh, you brought back a coach that you already fired once before, um, which I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. You know, and that might, what a miserable offseason. That oh might be gosh, fine gosh. in the sense of we need a guy that <laughs> that we know can take punches and we know knows some of these guys because they're gonna take a lot of punches this year. But that that just doesn't that's not a good look, man. Like I don't I don't get that at all. Um I just I, I think it's this is a it's an unfortunate situation. I do think that Hayward and Rozier are going to be on the out. Um because that's the only even close to tradable assets they have. And even that is not great. Uber is probably going to be in that list as well. Um, it's just, it's hard to say you're going to start a rebuild whenever you had these two young stars that were, you know, it's carrying through a season an unexpected good season last year. And so um, mm-hmm. I guess, I guess my question for you is, oh, gosh, how does Lamelo react to this this year? Like, what what, what kind of season do you think Lamelo is going to have? <laughs> Not great. 
I I don't like Lamel. You know, I, I'm not uh, anyone who listens to shit. Not not a huge fan. He has uh, played. He has played beyond is, what we expected him to. We got to give him credit there. Like we put. I don't. I don't think so. I, I I he he has some cool numbers. He can't. He, he there's a reason why Borrego didn't doesn't play him down the stretch of games. There's a reason. It's if you're trying to win games, he's not helping you. Um, uh, somebody's gonna listen to that and take. Uh, whatever I, I, this is a huge. This is a big season for Lamelo, in my opinion. Like you got to show that you are a leader of the team, not just a guy who has fun plays and throws cool lobs and stuff like that. There's, there's got to be some substance to your style, and uh, at this point, I don't feel like we've we've really seen that from him. And he's only been in the league for two years, so maybe it's unfair for me to ask that of him, but. Uh, I certainly ask that of him this season, you know, playing for a bad team. I mean, not a really bad team and legitimately Tobin, I think this could be the worst or second worst team in the East when it all comes down to it. Um, I kind of have them in tier three because they were in that tier last <laughs> year. You know, uh, there's a real chance that, 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 you know, I mentioned that with, with Toronto, there is absolutely a chance that, uh, that the Hornets get to December and they're like, why in the world are we paying Kelly Oubre and Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier so that we can win 22 games this season? We would salt. We'd be a lot better off if we won eight games instead. And just, I, I it's really hard to play for a garbage, garbage team. And if you're not able to elevate a garbage team to become like, you know, a mediocre team, um, then, that stuff starts to 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 weigh on you and it starts to to say stuff about you as well. And so if you're really if you're really a guy that's that level of player that is a true all-star level of player, then you got to show me how you can do that and and so this is a big season to me for for LaMelo uh, of of how he's going to handle things and react to to what the team is. I, it's not that I'm ex- it's not like I'm expecting hey LaMelo if you if you don't get this team you know into the top 7 then you're garbage or whatever. But like, if you're if you're really that guy, then I got you. Got to really solidify this team is a player in the plan. This team is going to um, be a hard out for whoever ends up beating them, whether that is the play-in tournament or the first round of the playoffs or whatever else. It's and I I would not. To be honest with you, I don't expect that. I expect kind of sulky and. Every you know, some nights he has really cool plays and puts up cool stats and everything. And a lot of nights you're watching, and you're like, "But is he impacting the game here really much at all?" And uh, so I don't know. That's my take. Uh, maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe maybe by even December I'm gonna be like, "Well, I'm an idiot." He's he's been great. I don't. I just don't see it that way. No, I mean I, I don't either. But I also thought he was gonna be out of the league after this year. So <laughs> that's why I'm saying that he's yeah. already exceeded what I thought he was going to do. But. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I never thought that. I I wasn't high on him coming in, but I've always said, again, I'm wrong plenty of times. We were all right to be wrong about him, given what the what we had on tape from from Australia and the interview stuff and all that sort of stuff. There was no. I'm not. If you had, if you were really, if you had a lot of stock in Lamelo coming into uh, into the draft or into his rookie season, that's that's great. Um, it was all speculative and that's all that we could, uh, everything we had to play from was just, there's not, there's not enough here to make a good judgment of this person. And so I didn't think he was going to be, but I didn't think he was, he was going to be bad. I, I don't think that he was, I did not think that he was going to be all-star level 
last year, but he wasn't. I <laughs> Silver making him an all-star still kind of makes me a little bit crazy. That was that's insane. Like that goes on his resume and he absolutely was not an all-star last year, but uh, anyway, I digress. Um we're going to kind of blow through these last four teams cuz I don't think they matter um much at all. It's more about uh, how bad are they going to be um and what, you know, lottery position are we fighting for? Washington, I think, is the, is the last team that has a chance of making the plan or, you know, hey, things went really well and we got up to the 8th seed kind of thing. Um, the Bradley Beal, Christophs Porzingis connection. Johnny Davis, I think, was a good draft pick. I, I, I was high on him coming into the draft. Um, maybe this is finally the year Denny Avia gets to actually do things. That would be wonderful. I'd love that if, if they'd let him loose a little bit. How do you see the Washington Wizards? Uh, I I think they had one of the worst offseason decisions this year in extending Bradley Bill and giving him a no trade clause. So I I think that they just decided to buy into five more years of overpaid medio- mediocrity. And I and I don't think KP is going to add anything. Um, Kuzma was their best player last year, and that that says a whole lot. So I think you're right. I think they have the they have enough talent to be able to possibly sneak into the playing game but if we were looking at this in a year and said oh they ended up being the worst team in the east i would not be surprised at all and that take, that's going to take something considering who's below them so <laughs> yeah i you know i mean i think they had it I, I i'm not as hard on them on the bradley beal thing because i just think their their backs are against the wall there's not a lot that they can do they don't have a ton of choices you can't let him walk um, they should have traded him so like the last three way, years. What what it boils down to? I totally agree, but once they were at the point that they were at, it's like you're kind of locked in here, and so I mean, sure, but you didn't need to give him a no trade clause. That's ridiculous. Like I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're you're right. I'm not saying you're not right. It's just, it. I think if he says I'm not signing this without a no trade clause, then you kind of just. You're, I mean, I, to me, that's just the that's this is the, the price of doing business with what, him. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the price of 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 player empowerment. You have a guy who. I think consensus now is that he is not, I mean, he's vaguely a top 25 player in the league, um, and he's going to be getting paid $40 million. And, you know, okay, but that sounds like a, that's a tough one, but it's what you end up having to do because uh, this is the way that the league works at this point, you know? Um <laughs> That's it's just it is what it is at this point, which is it's a bummer. I you know I don't think he's going to be long for this for this Wizards world, uh, and so if you're a Wizards fan, I think you just have to be like, man, I hope they can get a good good return on him. That's that's really what we're what we're looking for here. Is but also there's a ch- I mean look, adding Will Barton I think can give them a little punch. Again, I like Johnny Davis. I was super 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 high on Denny Avia, and I would like to see him turn loose a little bit. They have, you know, they have a lot of uh, decent pieces. Kuzma and Hachimura, like, don't work together. I think that's pretty clear. So probably one of those guys needs to be traded. But but they have value. It's um, They could pivot a little bit. It wouldn't shock me if the Wizards end up being the nine seed that beats the eight seed in the play-in tournament or something, you know, and ends up finding a way to get into the playoffs like they have they have pieces it's just i don't like how those pieces go together and we haven't even touched on you know how many games does does that was my question that i wrote down was does kp sit out 
10 or more games for back issues. <laughs> yeah, more. Definitely more. Or knee, yeah, yeah. He's got a swollen knee. Yeah. Oh. Uh, over under 60 games, I, I would probably would still t- I would take it. If the you under. put it at 40 games, I'd probably take the under. I'm I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, as I've said many times, I, I have no ill will towards Kristaps Porzingis. I wish, I truly, truly mean this. I wish the best for him. I am really glad that my team no longer is on the Porzingis. Uh, well, I truly mean uh, that but, I do not wish the best to him, and I'm glad he's gone. So, <laughs> I'm glad he's gone. I don't think he ever did anything that that put me in a position where I was like, I hate this guy, screw this guy, whatever. It's just, it's just not fun to have him on your team because every single day is a wake up and find out if if Porzingis is playing today kind of thing every single day. It's <laughs> I think the absolute worst thing about having Porzingis on the team was those days those games where it's like I think one of them if I remember correctly like remember when he like had this incredible game against the Rockets and things were trending in the right direction and we we're like man this is so awesome and you wake up the next day and it's like oh he fell down he has a sore knee and then that costs them 10 games. Yeah. Just like, oh my gosh. This is so brutal. It's just it's just nice to know who's gonna play on your team every day. It would be my uh would be my thing. So and that doesn't happen uh when Porzingis is on your team, unfortunately. So all right, man, let's uh let's get into these last three. We can go quickly here. Little little inside baseball. Took a took a bathroom break after the Wizards and it turned into uh about a twelve hour break. So now We've now played pickleball, pickleball twice, uh, done work, you know, church, the whole nine yards. And uh, we, we've got we've got a little juice left for for these last three teams. Um, I'll, let's start with Detroit. Let's start with the Detroit Pistons, our, our buddy uh, Jacobs, Detroit Pistons, who, by the way, made a trade uh, between our episodes with uh, brought in uh, Bogdanovich and pretty much all it cost him was Kelly Olenek. So. Um, I think there's a lot of GMs that maybe were a little <laughs> kicking themselves a little bit that they weren't able to pull that off because that's uh, getting, a, 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 I think, a, a quality veteran player uh, for for Kelly Olenek. So, you know, I think, I think everybody knows how I feel about Kelly Olenek. But, um, yeah, they, look, they added Jaden. They added two rookies, Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. They added uh, Bogdanovich as well. Um, the, the get the, the, you know, the Alec Burks and, uh, and Nerland's Noel trade as well. Um, Tobin, how do you feel about the Detroit Pistons? You know, I think they could surprise some people this year. Uh, if Cade makes a leap and comes in there and is a leader, then you have, you know, two rookies that should get some decent playing time with Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. Um, you know, I just, I think that, between that, the Bogdanovich move, and what we saw from uh, Marvin Bagley last year, there's a there's a chance they could make a a fun season. They're still not very good. Um, they mm-hmm. still have a lot of room to, to grow, but they're definitely on the right track, which is really weird. Like it's like they mm-hmm. they shouldn't be this exciting, but they just the the draft they had this year was just so good and. I think Jaden Ivey is going to be great for them. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, they still have Sadiq Bey. Um, and yeah, I just, I think they have a really good chance of, of surprising some teams on a, on a few nights. And I think that they have a really good chance of maybe even sneaking into like 
being playing contention if if they get on a run and you know Dwayne Casey is not a you know a stranger to this kind of stuff like he's a good coach and he's good at what these young teams especially and so um you know I think if they stick to their just run and gun and kind of get going and stuff I think it could be really fun to watch them uh, do some work um my question for you is do you think Jaden Ivy is a rookie of the year favorite or heavy candidate. Do you think he's a heavy candidate? I, I love the pairing of Ivy when coming into the draft. If you just looked at like where do you where's the best fit for this guy? Like that kind of thing. Um I think that Detroit I really did. I thought Detroit was perfect for Ivy. I think comparing him with, with Cunningham is is great. I just think I think they can work. I really think they can work really well together. And there's going to be obviously lots of bumps in the road because they're both very young and all this kind of stuff. But I I think, gosh, I think he's a great fit next to Cunningham. So yeah, yeah, I think I think um I think there's a real chance. I, look, I wouldn't bet on him winning Rookie of the Year, but I do think that there's a real chance that he's a, he's a somebody who he's going to get minutes for sure, and he can score. I mean, he can get to the bucket and. And uh, I I I think that he could be really interesting on that on that side of things. Yeah, totally. No, I I like this team a lot. What I I think that they've done too a great job of assembling some veterans to to be in you know to be in the, in the fight with these guys, these young kids that also probably aren't going to help them too much to get wins. You know, like I like Bogdanovich, I like Burks, I like Noel. Um, I don't really think that any of those guys really super help you win in the most. So like, they're not going to, I would assume they're probably going to be in a good place where it's like, you're going to have veteran leadership in the locker room for the young guys to kind of show these, show them the ropes, how to, how to be professionals, all this kind of stuff. So you're not just leaving the kids on their own. Um, but also you're probably not going to have to worry too much that they're going to like, Oh man, they've got us drifting too close to the, to uh, dropping out of the lottery, and really, we'd rather probably be in the lottery. Um, mm-hmm. So, I like that, and I and I really, what I, I also, I really, I think, I think, I think they can turn all three of those guys around at the trade deadline and get assets for them. Um, and that honestly, probably would be my plan when I bring when I bring Bogdanovich into the room. If I'm Troy Weaver and I, I bring him into the room for the first time, when you know when he arrives, I'm saying, "Hey, man, look, give me, give me four good months, okay? Be." Be professional, show work, show up to work, do the stuff that we ask you to do. Be an example to Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey and, and and all these young guys. Uh and play your best basketball. And in at February in February, I'm gonna trade you to a to a contender. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a first round pick for you. And and I mean the same thing for for Burks and Noel. I don't know what the value is on those two guys. It's it's lower, I think, than Bogdanovich, but um I'm saying the same thing to them. Hey, Help these guys learn how to be professional basketball players. Let's get some some experience where they may even get some some wins, maybe some quality wins. But my goal is not to make the playing game is not certainly not to make the playoffs. My goal is to just play competent basketball, kind of set the table for what's to come, and then get another lottery pick next year. And and if if in the process of that, if I can if I can move these veterans to pick up more assets, to pick up picks down the road and stuff like that. Then I'm all in on that, man. I love what the Pistons are doing right now. It's it's uh they're they're they've got they've got a lot of stuff going for them. I think long term, um, 
And I think you're right. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the, the, I mean, it would require some major fall aparts and some injuries or something like that, but that happens every season. There's definitely a world where we look up and it's like, hey, the Pistons are pretty decent, mm-hmm. actually. Like, they're kind of in this. But, yeah, they're kind but of. But if I was a Pistons fan, I would rather not be. Yeah, but I'd say I'd rather have another year. They're kind of in a hard spot of, this is one of those years where you kind of want to be in the in the bad lottery because of the stuff coming in next year, but at the same time, it's it, we you've said this a lot before of you don't want to purposely have a losing culture. I mean, with the Thunder, you've said that plenty of times. Right. Like if you if you have a young team that is you know having a jump start season and, and able to do some things, let them do the things mm-hmm. they need to do. Yeah. You know that I think I think basketball karma always rewards that kind of stuff too. So, mm-hmm. but there is going to be a point where they're going to realize, okay, we should trade Bogdanovich, we should trade Burks, Noel. If we still have Kemba, we'll trade mm-hmm. Kemba, and then just let the young guns probably lose a lot of games, but get some get some run out there, and then they yeah. end up being the third worst team in the in the East at that point. But yeah, I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with that either. I would love to be vaguely around 500, you know, or like flirting with 500. Like we're not getting blown out night tonight. We're vaguely in these games through like January. And then let's lose a bunch of games after that. That would be, that'd be the way that I'd probably want to do that. And I think they're kind of set up to do that. I, mm-hmm. I'm really bullish on their future. I think they've got a lot coming from them. Mm-hmm. So I like that. All right, let's move to the magic. Kind of like this team too. They There's... There's a lot of things that have to be figured out. Like they're very, the rotation is weird. They're positionally heavy in in a few spots. It's I'm not sure how it all goes together, but they do have a lot of of young talent. Um, and I'm interested to see how it all plays together. You know, they didn't make a whole lot of 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 big moves uh, except they 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 had the first pick in the draft. So they bring in Bancaro, they add him to Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, 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 Franz Wagner, uh, hopefully Jalen Suggs has, I mean, as a Suggs fan, I hope that he has a, a better season the second year than he did in his first year. You know, Cole Anthony and uh, I imagine Terrence Ross and Gary Harris get moved at some point. But yeah, like they've got a uh, Jonathan and who knows about Jonathan, Jonathan Isaac and Chumo KK. I mean, there's, there's stuff that uh, they got some interesting pieces here. So I, I kind of, I kind of dig what the Magic are doing, finally, of of <laughs> playing into this uh, rebuild and, and create something um, for the future kind of uh, mentality that they've, they've been on. I, I like it. I like the roster. They did the right thing by taking Bancaro, I think. Um, I and so yeah. I think I, I was a big fan of that. Um, I was a big fan of the way they juked everybody in that as well. Um, I think that if I'm a Magic fan, I want to see Jalen Suggs make a step up this year because last year – after you know that might not be his fault, but there was so much hype about him coming in and just yeah. what he was and what he was going to be, and then he kind of showed what some people said he was going to be, and I think that kind of scared some people. So uh, I would love to see J- Jalen Suggs make a step forward and Cole Anthony to find a spot, you know, where he needs to be. Markel Fultz needs to go. I mean, they need to get off him somehow. Yeah, I, I just I don't know that guy. I He's injured again. It's just just get off of it. You know, figure out what you can do. Like, don't let him take minutes away from Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony, yeah. and you know, yeah, see what you got there at least. Um, bringing back Mo Bamba made no sense. <laughs> I mean, but it's not a. It wasn't a bad deal, and it wasn't like it was uh, a bad situation. But like, there's just so much, so much smoke with. He doesn't like it mm-hmm. here. We need to get him out of there. We have Wendell Carter Jr. Like, and then they brought him back, and so it doesn't. I don't know. 
So I think there is some weird things in this roster, but they also have a lot of it's in a weird way. They have some overages where they can kind of be players and maybe get mm-hmm. maybe trade off pieces mm-hmm. and get assets for the future, which I think could be cool um, for them. They're going to be they're not going to be good. They're going to be bad. So it it's probably going to be I mean, in a weird way, it's like you want to have optimism for their season because they are in position to do some good things. It's just a matter of are mm-hmm. they going to do it the right way. So right. Uh, let's see. My question for you on this one is. Uh, I'm going to stick with the rookie. What do you think, Ben? Mm. What do you think is best case scenario for Ben Carroll? I don't want. I don't mean awards. I mean, like, what do you think you want? We need to see from him. Best case scenario. Um, I am a huge Ben Carroll fan. I really, I really dug him at Duke. Um, I think the big factor for him. Well, it's it's twofold. It's I thought he was a pretty competent shooter in in college. Um, we're going to need to see how that translates and how well, how quickly it translates mm-hmm. at, at this level. And the main thing that I saw with, with Bancaro at Duke from a downside, uh, was, uh, it wasn't just that he wasn't a particularly uh, good defender. It was also, I think there was a lot of times where there was not very much effort on that end of the floor. Um, and, that's, you know, that's kind of a, uh, you know, pros and cons on that, right? Like you could say, hey, he wasn't trying so hard. So I think if he locks in, he can be a decent, he's not going to be like a plus defender, but he could be a decent defender. But also you say, but like, how come we weren't trying so hard on that end? Um, there were some times where it felt like he really got lost um, in with uh, movement off ball and, and things like that. So, um, I you know, I don't know whether he lands as a power forward or a small ball five, whatever it ends up being. He's a monster. I think you're going to really like watching him play. I know you don't watch very much college basketball and Duke, and we we did scouting and stuff like that, but um, he's a fun guy to watch. And I think that, I mean, I think it's realistic, especially on this team, that he averages 20 points a game this year or something close to it. And it's probably not going to be efficient. You know, it's not going to be uh equivalent to uh what what a veteran is doing at 20 points a game or something like that but he uh he has some real skill and it the maybe the thing that he needs to that is going to be interesting this year as much as anything is just kind of figuring out what's his position what does he do do what's he best at can he play small ball five in the nba um and how do these you know the shooting skills and and the defensive side of things how does that translate how does that play out mm-hmm. at the nba level I think he's going to be a ton of fun to watch. I'm legitimately pumped to watch him play basketball. Like having league pass this year for a hundred bucks. Um, I'm not going to, I don't know if there is, if they're a sneaky league pass team, but he is a sneaky league pass player. He's going to be, I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch and he's kind of a, yeah, I would agree. a bit of a unique player too. So I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, okay. Last one. Let's move on and, and, and finish this thing. Uh, I think, I will put it this way. If you told me, you, you said this with the Pistons, if you, if you, if you came from back from the future in April and said, Hey, the Pistons are the ninth seed. They're going to be in the play in tournament. I would be like, Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. I'm surprised by that, but I wouldn't be just completely blown away. Mm-hmm. I would say the same thing with the magic. You could, <laughs> you could fast forward and tell me or, or come back in time and say, Hey, things went really well. Bancaro is like pro- the prohibitive favorite to win rookie of the year. 
uh, Suggs came on strong. They they moved a couple of these guys and were able to uh, to to bring in you know like they they did a three for one kind of trade, brought in somebody. Franz Wagner's awesome, and the the Magic are the ninth seed. Man, it's crazy. Okay, yeah, I'd be surprised. Um, probably wouldn't be just completely and totally blown away. If you came back from the future and told me the Pacers were the ninth seed, I would I would be completely and totally blown away. I don't. This team is bad, bad. I think. Um, and I think maybe more than anything, Tobin, this team is is like the prohibitive favorite to move off of some of their veteran guys. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that Miles Turner finishes the season here. I don't think that Buddy Heald finishes the season here. I, I think that there are moves to be made and uh, and and further stripping down to be done. Uh, they are only a f- really they're only half a season into their rebuild i think and uh, as as good as Tyrese Halliburton is and how much we like him um i do not foresee a world where where he is uh you know leading the charge on a a team that somehow figures out a way to win 40 or 45 games so the thing with uh, the pistons the, the pistons the pacers is this is a another one of those why have they waited so long to do this and yeah. Yeah. But I think missing out on Aiton and the Victor W, um, I'm not going to try to say his name, uh, Victor sweepstakes that's going on, might be enough reason for them for, to finally just get get going. The The hard thing for me is, you know, Rick Carlisle does not do rebuilding, clearly. And yeah. and so, yeah. I mean, I, I would love to see Mathurin just get a lot of, a lot of play, um, and just him and Tyrese get some play together and do that stuff. But I mean, really rolling Hild and, uh, and Turner out there just does not make any sense going forward. They mm-hmm. should have already been traded if we're being honest. And it just doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I think that they are intentionally going to just not be good <laughs> there. I think they're going to push really hard for, to be in the bottom of this league whenever it's, when it's all said and done. Sure. Uh, my right, question yeah, to you is: How many, <laughs> how many games does Rick Carlisle last this season before he moves himself to the front office? <laughs> um, I think, I think there that this is. A, I think he makes it through the season. I think next year is where we have to really start asking, "Hey, why is he here? Like, what good is this? Is this doing this? Uh, genius coach." Uh, who does not do well in losing situations and doesn't do well with young players? Why? Why? Why is he the guy who's trying to bring these these guys along? That's just. But I don't think it will. I don't think that question. I mean, that question will be asked. I think, but I don't think it will be asked to the point of all right, we got to make a move uh, with him this season. I think, <coughs> I think that's. I think that's a year down the line. So, yeah, agreed. Uh, but I, you know, you're right. I hope Matherin gets a ton of time. I'd like to see him play. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm interested in what they can bring back for Turner and Heald. You know, I, I, mean, I, I do think, think that the they, problem. I think they're going to be big time. I, I think this team could, could shape the playoff push big time in, in yeah, the trade deadline. Uh, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I do think that part of the, part of the reason why these guys are still here is because, uh, they, the Pacers, you know, made some calls and, and received some calls and were like, really, that's all. That's all you're gonna give us for this guy? Okay, all right. I think that maybe they found out that um, the 
the market for Miles Turner is not what it no. may have been a couple of seasons ago. And but and you also have sat there. on him so long, like at some point you have to pull the trigger and just accept that. Yes, yeah, this is what it's going. I be. would have done it years ago. There's no reason why Duarte and Mathurin and Halliburton shouldn't be on the court more. Like we need to get at yeah. the very least, you need to get Hilled out of there so he's not taking up the court yeah. from those guys. So agree, agree. Yeah, I we'll do the West next week. Um, there's a couple of teams in the West that are uh, that are definitely in the the Wimbayana sweepstakes, um, but uh, Indy Indy definitely is uh, <laughs> Indy definitely I think is going to be a player in that thing. So we'll we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. The odds on the Pacers are <laughs> plus a hundred thousand, which is the same for the Magic. By the way, the Pistons are only plus seventy thousand. Uh, Magic are are plus a hundred thousand. The Houston Rockets are plus two hundred thousand. Yikes! Uh, that's the that's the worst odds in the league, which is a little surprising to me because they're not. I don't that know why bad. you'd bet the Thunder at plus a hundred thousand and and not you know and and be a little lower on on the Rockets. I'm not sure how I see that, but that's yeah. Okay. Um, okay, that's it. We've uh, we've gone through the Eastern Conference. Next week we'll be back with the Western Conference preview. Uh, highlighting everything that's that's going on in uh, training camp, and probably we'll touch a little bit, especially in the case of like the Phoenix Suns, we'll touch on media day and the stuff that uh, has been done, uh, has been accomplished or not accomplished uh, through through the last week. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you like what you heard, tell a friend, bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. It helps us greatly to carve out a little space in this very cramped podcast market. And leave us a five star rating and a five star review on Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past, and we'd like to read those at the end of the show. Except we'll be back next week with the Western Conference preview. Until then, stay hard, Rodney Rogers.